What's going on, everyone? It's Bales, and welcome back to another episode of AFL Fantasy Head to Head, where you put two players up against one another to see who comes out on top and who we will pick between the two players. This is episode 16 of the series. If you haven't checked out the other 15 episodes, please make sure you do, either on YouTube or as a podcast. And also do remember to like and subscribe um, and five-star review wherever you sort of listen uh, to all the good stuff. Uh, We've got another special guest, and we're talking about a couple of premium ruckmen. Um, we're going to bring, obviously, some other rucks into the discussion as well, but we'll be focusing on the two big dogs here. But joining me is a very, very knowledgeable coach. He's now made his debut uh, on a number of times on the coach panel already, and I'm sure you'll be able to hear more of him throughout 2024, and he's all over X with uh, plenty of really, really good stats. It is uh, Vams Fantasy Nut. Vams, mate, how you doing? Good, mate. Good. Looking forward to... Uh getting stuck into it, debating the two big dogs at the ruck position. Yeah, I know. They're, they're very, very expensive. Based on uh, last year, they had both uh, fantastic years. And we are talking about Tim English and Rowan Marshall. So I keep forgetting to do this at the start. But Tim English priced at $1.07 million and has a current ownership of 15.56%. And then Rowan Marshall is uh, $1.05 million with an ownership of 7.91%. So you can see they're not as selected as much as probably what they were last year, but uh, we will discuss that uh, and, uh, and we'll probably touch a bit more on Max Gorn as well later on. I'll be taking Tim English and Vans will be taking Rowan Marshall. So we'll start off with Tim English being the more expensive player. So, yeah, Tim English, most expensive player in the game this season after having a massive year last year, averaging 118.7. He went absolutely bonkers last year. Um, just, he just... He's, he's not really – we say he's a Ruckman. He's listed as a Ruckman, and he is a Ruckman. But is he really a Ruckman? He is like an extra midfielder for the Bulldogs. He just does everything around the ground. Last year, the good news, he didn't actually miss a game. So he played 23 games for the season, um, which is fantastic. Obviously, there's been years in the past where he hasn't played years. He's missed something for a concussion or, or whatever. But last year, was playing every game, was above 80% time on ground. He scored some, had some massive scores here. So just read out some of these big scores here. And this is, again, you've got to remember, this is a Ruckman as well scoring these. So like uh, 145, 123, 129, 151, 121, 158, 134, 140, 153, 131, and 146. That's not even me reading out his 110 scores. He had, just counting here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 7 scores in the 90s. And then he had that 176 that he scored against, um, I believe it was Port Adelaide uh, Marvel. And, of course, I had him captain that week. I remember that was a very, very depressing night. But um, we're not here to talk about that. Um, so, yeah, he was just amazing last year. Just And the amount of times he had over 20 touches in a game as well. So he, like his floor is already set so high. And if he does have a game where he comes up against easier Ruckman, his ceiling can just go up even higher because he'll get those hitouts and he'll get those touches, which we know he can tackle, he can mark around the ground. He just he really just does it all, and it was is obviously a big step up from his uh, year uh, prior. He averaged 101 the year before that, but then a 78.7 um, in 2021. So his last couple of seasons, he's really sort of built on, um, built, sort of just gone back to back in just terms of massive growth and going from being a guy that we thought is he ever going to break out? Like we, a lot of people always compared him to like a Dean Cox type ruckman. So then breaking out in 2022, averaging 100, then going absolutely massive in 2023. So, Vams, so I'll go to you for, for English here. So, we obviously chatted about how um, he's, he did so well last year and how he's broken out the last couple of years. So, we'll touch on the this sort of him not training um, for the first part of the preseason. I think he's started integrating back into um, full training um, now. But can you pay over a million dollars for a Ruckman 
after going last year. No one would sit and forget, but there is just so much value in the rucks. How do you see with the ruck landscape being uh, like English and then also Marshall will touch on um, being so much more expensive than like a Grundy, Gorn and even a Tristan Cherry and guys like that. So where do you sit with, with Tim English and paying top dollar for him? I think the interesting thing with rucks is always that there tends to be a little bit less variance in terms of that the top end of of that position from year to year, particularly amongst the guns. Like you obviously have um, years where there may not be an absolute uber premium, but we saw back in the day for, with with both Gorn and Grundy and even going back, this kind of showing my age now, but even going back to a previous era where you had someone like Dean Cox, they tended to stay at their the top of their position you know, relatively consistently from year to year. And I think one of the reasons for that is like their situation often doesn't change. Like if you've got a gun ruck at the comp, a team's not going to bring in a second ruck to kind of, you know, uh, to reduce, well, great, good call. And let's see, you know, we saw what happened there, right? Like one season later, Grundy's out of there. So, you know, they, they tend not to muck around with that position too much once they've got a gun. Second of all, it, you can't really tag a ruck, right? So whilst English, I, I would agree with you, I think he, you He's more of a midfielder than anything else, who happens to also get you know 25, 30 points on top of that just due to hit out. So, but you still can't really tag him that easily. So there tends to be a lot more consistency from season to season. So I think one of the reasons why that, you know, that set and forget strategy in the rucks tended to be quite popular during the peak uh, Gorn and Grundy era was because again, they tended for at least two, three years there, they stayed very consistent. There wasn't that big fluctuations in their in their cost but it asks you a question of can you consider english absolutely you can the question when you're, you're paying up this much for a guy like that though is you've always got to ask yourself not just necessarily what is the upside because when you're paying this much you probably accept there's not a heap of upside but you've also got to really put a lot of thought into like what could go wrong here such that you know i'm paying for a, a 120 guy like what are the risks that he ends up being, let's say a 110 guy. And that's quite a big difference. That's a lot of money you could have spent elsewhere on your side. It's obviously going to bleed cash. You've already alluded to the fact that it's an interesting year where there are some very obvious value ruck options and not just sort of mid prices that might average, you know, priced at 50, 60, that might average 80, 85. No, we're talking about guys that actually, you know, might hit triple figures again that are, that are priced much less than that. So I think, you know, for both English and Marshall as well, um, it's going to be a tough one to, to, to sort of spend up with them. But I guess pushing back on some of your, you know, in, in the spirit of this, of this particular episode, you know, my job is to kind of push against some of the, the negatives of English or against some of your arguments. And I guess the first question I'd ask is, what is the thing with English that makes you go, look, he faced this headwind last year, um, that I think is now gone? Or what is the thing that might change this year that might see him improve? The reality is that Western Bulldogs are already a huge stoppage team. Tim English mm. actually contested the second most ruck contest in the entire comp last year. Number one was uh, was big Oscar McInerney. So again, he's already at the top of the tree in terms of ruck contests. He's basically playing solo ruck. So what is the thing that you think he can improve on such that he's going to really um, outperform his price Maybe not by a lot, but even just by a little bit. We saw Grundy back in 2019. I think he averaged around about that 122 mark, and I think that might actually be a fantasy record for a ruck. English is already around that 120 mark. So, again, 
what is the thing that you think that makes him can go to 123, 124, 125? And I'm, I'm probably struggling to see it. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is Rory Lobb came out a few weeks ago and, and specifically mentioned that the team may look to get him involved a little bit more in the ruck to get him involved in the game. And he, he pointed to a very specific example, which was their last game last year against Geelong. And in that game, interestingly, Tim English uh, attended only 60% of, of ruck contests. He typically, you know, attends about 80% or so. And, and obviously Lobb attended the other 40% in that, um, in that game. And uh, again, a very, um, a much more even split than what we typically saw at the Western Bulldogs last year. And in that game, English only scored 98. So if what Lobb is saying is true, and look, maybe it's not, um, but if even a little bit of what he says is true and the Western Bulldogs, instead of there being an 80-20 split between him and English in terms of ruck contest attendances, even if it goes to, say, 70-30, is that going to be enough for English to drop off just that fraction? Instead of averaging 118, does he instead average 112? And again, at that price point, you know, a drop-off like that is actually reasonably significant. The final point I'll make against Tim English in terms of what his downside is, is this injury history, particularly in relation to his concussion history. We saw recently, and again, you already sort of mentioned this a little bit earlier, which is um, he missed a a whole lot of sort of contact drills um, in in terms of the Western Bulldogs preseason so far, because Western Bulldogs wanted to, they were monitoring him for sort of concussion related symptoms. They, um, or or concussion-like symptoms, I should say, that they were concerned about. And it turns out that they were instead migraines, and often a lot of those symptoms can actually overlap. But I don't think that's just random cautiousness. The reason why they've been particularly cautious with Tim English is that he does have a relatively um, unfortunate history with concussions. In 2021, he missed four games with concussion symptoms, and in 2022, he missed two games um, after having sort of being slam tackled by by Braden uh, Braden Pruce, yeah. and and Tim uh, subsequently sort of experienced some delayed concussion symptoms. So again, missed a couple of games there. And we know um, teams, and in particular, you know, the AFL are particularly um, concerned about um, concussion injuries, um, or you know, the litigation that might happen down the down the line in relation to that. So I think um, you know, I think any sort of sort of head knock like that or um, symptoms that, whether it's migraine or actually a concussion, the Western Bulldogs are going to be very, very careful with Tim English. So um, one to keep an eye out for during the year. Yeah, yeah, and all, all fantastic points you raised there as well. And then that sort of makes you think you sort of, a lot of people like might just log into the game and go and say, oh, Tim English there, most expensive player, how good was he last year, put him in the side. But when you look at the value that's on offer, but then also the fact that, and and I was talking about this with Stato in uh, when we had uh, the Wines and Guthrie episode. Um, just the uh, preseason is so important to players, and if you miss a little bit, it's fine. But when you start missing and it starts going into like deep into January, like he's only just started getting into um, full training now. Again, we don't exactly know how much he did pre Christmas because it's sort of a mystery. We sort of didn't really know about English, but when you don't have a full preseason, it can really impact a player and it can impact them potentially for as long as half the season, not the whole season, just because they are behind the eight ball in terms of every other player out there. And you're trying to get little inches. And if you miss a little bit, you might not be up to it. So that mixed with lob there, like you just expect English to regress a little bit, where that's a 115, 110. As you said, that 110 is it's all of a sudden not really a great pick because that's nearly 10 points down from, from what he's priced at. And we saw 
Again, I mentioned every podcast. We saw Roy Ladd last year. We saw how much uh, he dropped early in the year after dropping one bad. It was just one, took one bad score, and that started the cash fall. And if English was to drop a couple of poor scores early, then he could also drop um, a bit in cash as well. So, But we will turn to the other side as well. Another player that is uh, a bit very expensive uh, is uh, Ron Marshall. So, Vams, mate, why should people be selecting Ron Marshall in 2024? All right. Well, I, I think if you want to spend up for one big ruck, my I've got four points here for why I think you should pick Rowan Marshall over Tim English. So the first point is is that he's actually got a little bit of value baked in. Um, I, I typically don't really love it when people just kind of hand wave away some players' worst games and then say, oh, if you remove this game and he was tagged in this game and it was a very hot day on that game and look what his average was there. But no, I think when it's like an, an in-game injury, I think it's reasonable to at least consider removing those scores to yeah. get what you know one might describe as a, as a true average. So in round four last year against uh, Gold Coast, um, Rowan Marshall was on, he was flying. He was on about 110, or I think it was just a little bit under that. And he was actually... Um, you know, subbed at three-quarter time, you'll recall. And uh, even, I, th- I can't remember if it was going into that game, but afterwards it was kind of mentioned by by Ross, the boss, that look, his body was quite sore. So you might even argue even leading into that game that he wasn't quite right, but let's not um, remove those games. But again, in round four, he, w- he was subbed at three-quarter time. In round eight, he was actually off for most of the fourth quarter due to a, a rolling. Yeah, that, yep, good yep. memory. And so, um, you know, he played a lot of game forward in that game and then had a, a season-low 67% uh, time on ground where he normally averages sort of the, the mid-80s. So that was another injured game. So if you actually just remove those two in-game injury games, um, his average was actually 118, which is exactly the same as Tim English. So there is this perception out there. Um, we can get into perhaps why, but there's this perception out there that English is far and away a better scoring ruck. And again, you could make a very easy argument that Rowan Marshall actually matched Tim English in terms of an average last year. So that's the first point. The second point I would say is that last year was essentially Marshall's second season as a solo ruck. In 2020, 2021, 2022, he was essentially either sharing the ruck duties with Ryder or he was, you know, giving him nothing more than a chop out and mainly playing forward. So his only other season sort of as a solo ruck really was in 2019, which is his third season when he he went on to, to average 98. So when you look at it like that, he's, he hasn't got a heap of experience playing solo ruck. You compare that to English, who's been basically the solo ruck in four of the last four, uh, four of the last five years. Um, the only perhaps exception being in 2021 when Steph Martin was the main ruck for the first half of the season and then English sort of took over for the second half of the season. So I think it's fair to say that in terms of experienced in the ruck position, Marshall doesn't have anywhere near his experience as uh, as Tim English in terms of shouldering the ruck load. So I think it's probably fair to say that Marshall probably has a little bit more natural growth in him as his ruck craft develops. So um, whereas I think English is probably already just about or very close to what uh, the best he can possibly be. The third point I'd like to make is that their consistency of scoring is, again, very, very similar. Um, and you might be surprised to hear that English actually has a worse floor than Rowan Marshall. Yeah. Last year, Rowan Marshall had four scores under 100. And one of those games was that North Melbourne game that where he... Uh, where he hurt his ankle and, and played a fair bit uh, forward. 
English had eight scores under a hundred. Like it's it's probably it's it's probably hard to kind to to believe that given um, how hot you know he was the number one averaging player in the entire comp and you know basically a third of his games he went under under a hundred. Where English does have Marshall is those ceiling games, right? So um, you know when you look at games where they scored at least one hundred and thirty points, it's actually relatively even. Uh, um, even um, I think it's seven versus eight in in favor of. Um, I think that's in favor of English, but um, sorry, that's in favor of Marshall. But it's the 140 plus games where English really separates himself, and um, he had six such games like that last year, which is enormous. And and Marshall only had three. So um, again, I would say that um, at the moment Marshall's floor is already perhaps better than um, Tim English, but it's his ceiling that's not quite there. And I would argue again as his. Um, Ruckcraft improves as perhaps um, the team style perhaps it goes a little bit more in his favour. Perhaps those um, those ceiling scores do come. And, and what I'm sort of alluding to there with the with the team style is, um, you know, this is a statistic that I I'll credit. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Fizz from the Draft Doctors that actually first mentioned this and um, uh, this point on on a recent podcast, which is the Western Bulldogs basically were. You know, they had the second most ruck contests of all of all teams last year, and, and I mentioned earlier, Tim English had the second most um, ruck contest attendances out of all rucks, and they were a bee's dick off being first. By the way, the Crows were first by yeah. a very small margin, um, but um, they were second. St Kilda, on the other hand, had the second lowest ruck contest. Yeah. Yeah. Right, um, and Jaden Papowski on Twitter um, put up a very interesting statistic, uh, interesting statistics related to that where. Um, he mentioned that despite that huge disparity in in ruck contest attendances, Marshall actually scored more from ruck contests per game than English did, which is an extraordinary yeah, right. sort of yeah. statistic when you think about it, right? So, again, just to sort of reiterate that point, Western Bulldogs already had the, the second most um, ruck contests out of any team in the comp. St Kilda had the second lowest ruck contests in the comp. And despite that, English outscored Marshall in terms of scoring from ruck contests per game. Um, So the question then you ask is, look, is that going to change a little bit this year? Does St Kilda maybe change their game style? Does their sort of ruck contest numbers go up? Or does the Western Bulldog ruck contest numbers maybe come down a little bit? And were that to happen, does Marshall's ceiling all of a sudden start to match what what Tim English did last year? Yeah. The fourth point I would like... Oh, go ahead, mate. I was just going to say. I was just going to say quickly. Yeah, I talked about that with uh, Liam on the uh, Tom Stewart Jack Sinclair uh, episode. Um, I was just saying. I think that there's a chance that St Kilda don't change their game style, but I think that they're just they're just going to have a few more stoppages than what they had last year. Like it was extremely low, as you said, second lowest. Mm. So, and and with all the inside mids that they've got, like Jack yeah. Steele, Brad Crouch, just guys like that. I just I don't see them being as much of an outside team as they were last year. So as you said, that could be a a good thing for for Marshall. But yeah, sorry, uh, go on with uh, with last point, Marshall. Yeah, look, the last point, and I, I won't put too much emphasis on this because, you know, it's always, um, you know, we just talked about how team styles can change, etc. But, you know, at, at this stage of the season, it's all we've got, which is when you're looking at an opening draw, I, I do like to see what a player did against a team the previous season. Again, it's not, um, you have to take it as gospel because things obviously do change. But here is um, here are the scores that Marshall scored Um against teams that he's facing in the first eight rounds 
this year coming up, okay? 141, 134, 100, and that was against Essendon, who um, typically restrict rucks quite significantly, but Sam Draper may not be fit to be playing that game. We'll wait and see. Um, so I'll start again. 141, 134, 100, 131, 138, 116, 159, 123. That's an average of 130 over the first eight games. Now, again, I'll reiterate the point. That's just based off what he did against these teams last year. I'm not saying they'll repeat, but I'd rather him have a, a relatively juicy draw based off that than 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 a uh, than a than a hard draw. So, I would say they're sort of my four key points that I would that would sort of make me lean towards picking Rowan Marshall over English were I to pay up for a ruck. Yeah, and yeah, that. that... I know that, again, people will probably say, oh, that was your scores last year. But, hey, what would you rather? Would you rather him have good scores against Rucks last year, as you say, and have that as something that you can look at? Or would you rather him play guys like Gorn, Grundy, and that start of the year and go, oh, he's got a hard run, maybe not start with him. So, but, yeah, that's pretty incredible, uh, averaging over 130. But, yeah, all great points. One, I didn't even know some of those points as well. So, um, but it is time to be choosing between two most expensive Ruckman um, in the game. So, Bams, who are you selecting out of English and Marshall in your side for 2024? Well, for Classic, I, I'm, it's highly unlikely that I'd be selecting either. And we, we already sort of touched on on why. I think there are some far better options at uh, sort of far cheaper price points that I think represent significant value and will be hard to pass up. Um, now, hand on my heart, if I was to select one of these two guys, I would select Marshall. Yeah, yeah, and there was a reason. Uh, people probably saying, "Oh, Buzz, you normally say uh, who are you picking his head dead," but I deliberately said it like that because that also sort of goes into the last point we'll touch on as well. So yeah, I would have, uh, I would probably select Marshall as well out of the two. If English had a full preseason, probably almost would side with the fact that pay the extra twenty thirty k. Well, I can't even tell. No, it's like fifty k. Sorry, um, difference between the two. So I'd pay the extra fifty k. But when you're looking at these premiums, you've got to look at the little sort of what are little things you can sort of pick out and because you're splitting hairs with sort of a couple of guys that were saying how some of their flaws, their ceilings and, and everything is. But yeah, when a guy's had a full preseason compared to a guy that's been, hasn't been training or whatever, I, I'd lean, to, I always lean with the guy that's been training. So, and that's uh, Ryan Marshall, but that sort of goes to our last point as we wrap up as well, is that Max Gorn is, is probably the main one we'll talk about because Grundy and Cherry, it's pretty much you're going Grundy R2. And if you're going one of the most expensive, I think the only other one you go is Gorn because you're clearly trying to rule out Cherry because you want your sort of more solidity in the ruck line. Um, it's a lot of money. It's like, well, like it's about 200K um, or just under 200K, I think, for Marshall and uh, just over 200K uh, for English from, uh, from Gorn. So are you saving that cash and going a Max Gorn or are you paying the extra sort of around just under 200k and getting a Ryan Marshall instead. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'll be going down. Um, it's still up in the air as to who that might be. I think we obviously uh, Tristan Cherry is the other very popular yeah. um, option there. He recently, I think, fractured his face, so we've got to see when he's returning and and going to be able to sort of train with 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 contact there. Um, but yeah, almost certainly it'll be. You know, I think Brody Grundy. If I'm being honest, I, I can't see him not being in my side unless he gets injured or suspended round zero. Um, the the real debate is who that other guy might be. The benefit of Gorn is that again, in the full time ruck sort of role, we know he can go at that, you know, close to one one ten sort of average. He did you know, one oh nine, one eleven, 
you know, um, the COVID year, um, you know, at around that 110 plus mark as well, then 110 again in, in 2021. So we know that that's, you know, that's within his, um, within his reach. And, he, you know, it's priced at 93. We saw him when Grundy went out of the side late last year. Um, you know, again, Gorn went absolutely off. So for me, it's like, I can see a world where the difference in average between Gorn and English may not be that much, right? I'm not saying Gorn will definitely average more. What I am saying is that I think the difference is going to be far closer than what people might expect. You then take that, whatever that price difference is, you put it on someone else's head and you make up the points there. Um, and I think that's the way to approach it. It's not to compare English and Gorn or, you know, or, uh, or Grundy and Chet, what you've really got to do is go, okay, it's Gorn plus this other guy that I can now afford versus English and a cheaper guy. And you just yeah. have to put some projections together and, and and see which two you like. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, if you're looking at it just sort of based on um, the thing, I just think the value of Gorn is, is just too much. I think there's so much uh, value there. And if you, again, as you said, if you can put that uh, money on top of someone else and get a better player, I think that's the way. But First time use this um, this term, uh, mini monks term, team dependent. I think this could be a little bit team dependent as well. It depends if you've got already a few players on buy. Obviously, Gorn yep. has also got early buy as well as Grundy. If you've yes. got both Rutten missing again, if we get an R playing R three like a Jordan Sweet or a Toby Conway, I think this argument's sort of a bit like the point I'm making is null and void because you'll have a covering player each buy week. But if you've already got a few players on the round six buy with Max Gorn, but then also guys on buy with Grundy in round five, and then you've got other guys on buy, then all of a sudden it's like well if you've got too many of these guys on buy. So um, that's where you might just side with paying up for a guy like Marshall or even go down and get a Tristan Cherry instead. But I think that if we get a playing after it, it won't matter. And, and I think a lot of people aren't going to have that many buy players in their siding. I think a lot of people at this early stage um, are looking at um, uh, limiting uh, the premiums that they've got on buy and they'll look at more um, your value players. So, but very interesting, plenty uh, of time to go on the pre-seeds. But as you said, Vams, uh, so you currently don't have either guy on your side at the moment? No, that's right. So yeah. at the moment, it'll be Grundy plus um, one of um, Gorn or Cherry um, with the sneaky sort of dark horse option being, you know, I I, I had a play around today with putting um, Jordan Sweet at R2. Yeah. Um, and it's very risky, um, but I'd only consider it if he was named as Solo Ruck, so not even Solo in the side. Um it's very risky because if it doesn't pan out, then you've really got nowhere to move without doing a full-blown yeah. re restructure, really. Like maybe you could get up to Cherry, um, perhaps. But, you know, the, the temptation of doing that is, boy, the rest of your side looks sweet. But, again, that might be a bit too risky for me. So I, I think for me it's probably going to be Cherry plus either Gorn uh, – sorry, Grundy plus either Gorn or Cherry. Yeah. I saw what you did there as well. You said your team would look sweet. And, you know, Jordan Sweet side. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I currently don't have either as well. But yeah, um, I haven't played around either with having uh, Marshall or English in my side. But I'll probably do that just to see exactly what it would look like. But yeah, I'm looking at the other the other three at this uh, early stage. But do it for the head to head battle um, for episode 16. But let us know in the comments below what you guys think of Tim English and Ron Marshall for 2024. You guys select actually yeah, put in the comments below. You guys are picking either in your side. I'd be very interested to know because a lot of people are selecting one uh, two have gone. Grundy or Cherry. So let us know in the comments below if you're selecting either. And just your thoughts on those two and then any other general questions, put them in the comments below. Make sure you do leave a like on the video as well. So if you are watching right now, I said there's a few people watching right now, so I'm, I'm talking to you. 
make sure you uh, leave a like on the video. It does help at the channel out a lot. And then, yeah, also make sure you subscribe. And if you listen to the podcast, make sure you leave a five-star Running in vid, they'd be very much appreciated. It does help out AFL Fantasy Fanatics um, a lot. So, uh, yeah, very much appreciate Appreciate your support. But, Bams, mate, thanks for jumping on um, for the episode. Good to have you uh, on the channel. For a second time, we had you on the Twitch space um, uh, during uh, the season last year. But uh, I'm sure we'll hear more from you this year. Where can the people find you across the socials? And also, where, what can people expect from you on the coaches panel this year? Oh, look, I'm happy to uh, to contribute when when called upon, mate. But uh, nothing, nothing regular planned. But... I like to sort of um, sort of just post my general thoughts and musings on on Twitter. So you can find me at uh, Fantasy Nut on on Twitter and um, yeah, get involved in the discussion. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Make sure you go and follow Bam's uh, great uh, account and yeah, uh, plenty of good stats as well. You're putting out there as well. So, um, but yeah, uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Social media for me in the description below as well uh, at BarsDT on across the socials as well. And then yeah, like, subscribe, follow, and all that uh, good stuff. The next episode, we've got another uh, member of the Pod Pod, and we'll be talking about a couple of defenders that could potentially break into that top six this year. Um, so a couple of very interesting names that a few people are considering. So we'll talk about those in the next episode. Thank you, Vans, once again for jumping on, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. So we're out. Cheers. <laughs>